Last week we looked at a passage in Isaiah 9, verse 6. A child will be born to us, son will be given to us, his government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. We looked at the phrase Prince of Peace last week and I want to continue looking at characteristics of God. And this morning I want us to think about Christ as our Wonderful Counselor. Um, but I didn't want to stay with Isaiah 9, 6 because there's not much in that text that, that, that maybe expounds that a little bit more for us. Um, I want us to think, though, and focus a little on just Christ as our counselor. Uh, when the, the title is given to him, Wonderful Counselor, I want us to think of wonder differently than we kind of use that word. We use wonderful, um, not as strong as I think it's being used concerning Christ. Our wonderful counselor, the, the word wonderful there is, is more in the category of incomprehensible. Uh, to give you an example, uh, when we use the word wonderful, if we... Um, uh, I'm already thinking about dinner. How about y'all? You know, when you get dinner, then you get dessert. Somebody asks, how was the dessert? That was wonderful. And we mean tasty. Or if somebody asks you, well, did you, did you meet the girl? Yes, yeah, she was wonderful. And a lot of times we mean uh, she was lovely. Or somebody asks us about... Uh, just anything. How was the weather? It was wonderful. Meaning it was, it was pleasant. So when you think about wonderful counselor, I want you to get beyond pleasant and lovely and tasty to begin to think, no, there's something mind-boggling about the counsel of God. It's, it's bigger than greater than wonderful. It's God's using wonderful in a different sense. So turn with me to Isaiah 28. Here we have one of those Old Testament parables. And it's, it's a parable of God's wonderful counselor. When we think of wonderful, I think we should begin to think more and more of Jesus. Um, and we will if we, if we understand um, his wonderful counsel. Uh, Isaiah 28 is, is a passage on judgment. And God is judging the people really for neglecting his counsel. Look at verse 12 first. It says, He who said to them, Here is rest, give rest to the weary, and here is repose. But they would not listen. So God comes and says, Let me tell you how to deal with your struggles. You need rest? I can, I can do that. But they would not listen. You look over at verse 22 and it says, And now, do not carry on as scoffers, or your fetters will be made stronger. It's like you're scoffing at the Word of God. I'm giving you counsel. I'm giving you advice. And you're going, ah, I got this. You're scoffing at it. You're not listening. And as a result... Your situation's going to get worse. That's the context. Uh, and then he gives them this parable, verse 23, to the end. Give ear. So you understand they're not giving ear. Give ear and hear my voice. Listen 
and hear my words. It's, it's, it's a lot like the New Testament parables in Matthew where Jesus gives them a story and then he says, He who has ears to hear must hear. And he's doing the same thing with this parable. Give ear. Hear my voice. If you've got ears to hear, you need to pay attention. I'm giving you counsel. Verse 24, does the farmer plow continually to plant seed? Does he continually turn and harrow the ground? Does he not level its surface and sow deal and scatter cumin and plant the weed in rows, barley in its place and rye within its area? For God instructs and teaches him properly. For deal is not threshed with a threshing sledge, nor is the cartwheel driven over cumin, but dill is beaten out with a rod and cumin with a club. Grain for bread is crushed. Indeed, he does not continue to thresh it forever. Because the wheel of his cart and his horses eventually damage it, he does not thresh it longer. This also comes from the Lord of hosts, who has made his counsel wonderful. And his wisdom, great. So he gets to that concluding statement. The counsel is really good. It's wonderful. It's great. You should pay attention. You should listen. Um, let's look at it. Kind of break it down in parts. First of all, verse 23, just this, this phrase that we need to give ear. We need to hear with our voice. Listen um, um, and pay attention. Hear, hear the words. I, I shared with you verse 12 and verse 22. Um, back up a little bit more uh, uh, into, into the context and you'll understand it more. Verse, verse 9, he says, To whom would he teach knowledge? And to whom would he interpret the message? Those just weaned from milk? Those just taken from the breast? For he says, order on order. Order on order. Line on line. A little here, a little there. Or some, some of your translations. Precept upon precept. Indeed, he will speak to his people, though through stammering lips and a foreign tongue. He says, but they don't listen. Basically, what he's saying is, you guys are acting like kids. You're acting like little babies. I'm trying to give you wisdom, wonderful counsel, and you act like you just need a, a line or a, a little precept or another little precept. It, it's, it's like you need baby food. And you don't really listen to what I really have to tell you. You're not paying attention to the counsel. You're scoffing at it. You're doing your own thing. And you're just taking these little small baby bites. When the counsel is wonderful. And you have such a wonderful counselor. So he's, he's trying to beg them to see how practical and to the point pertinent is the counsel of Christ even commanding, verse 23, you need to give ear. You need to hear the voice. You need to listen. You need to take heed to God's word. You need to obey it. You need to obey it without question. You've all heard perhaps your parents or a coach or somebody say, come here. I'm only going to say this one time. And you know what they mean by that. You mean... This is the moment to pay attention. This is not a time to go off and just figure it out for yourself. This person is about to tell me what I must do. 
And they are making it emphatic by saying, you better hear and you better hear it this time. This is the only time you're getting it. It's, it's important news. Well, that's what God's doing here. He says, give here. I'm only going to say this one more time. I'm tired of treating you like kids. You should be beyond that. You need to pay attention to the council. Uh, it's only coming this one more time. This is my plea. Um, you should respond without question. You should respond quickly. Sometimes we think things just, well, it, they'll just work out. It just all, you know, happens by chance. So, no, no. Here's counsel. You need to pay attention. Uh, let, let me give you another example in Isaiah. Look over at Isaiah 66. Love this, this passage. Isaiah 66, verses 1 and 2. Really puts us in the right perspective. Isaiah 66, 1 and 2 says... Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where then is a house that you could build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? For my hand made all these things, heaven and earth. Thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit, and he trembles at my word. Think, think about the picture that he paints with that. He says, uh, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. It's like, I, I am physically, though we can't physically see God, but he's, he's saying I physically reside in both places at the same time. I'm sitting in heaven and my feet are on earth all at the same time. And you want to make something for me? You want to be so wise and smart that you, you can provide for me? Since, do you not see the impracticality of that? That's, it. That's literally impossible. I made heaven. I made earth. I reside in both places at the same time. There is no way you could teach me anything or create anything that would add to what I've got. He says, but now, then he switches the table and says, but I will look to you. I will look to you. I, I, I will learn something from you. This is who I'll look to. I'm going to look at the person and embrace the person and enjoy being with the person who trembles at my word. The person who is of a humble and contrite heart that, that, that's submissive to what I have to say. Because the counsel is wonderful. And God says, I, so many times I'm dealing with people who think they can, they can teach me something. When I'm the wonderful counselor. And I'm the one that directs heaven and earth. We need to pay attention. We need to be quick to hear. We need to be humble. We need to be contrite. We need to listen to God's counsel. Did you listen to Jesus this week? Did you le listen to Jesus teach you how to behave at work? Did Jesus, did you go to him for counsel on how to get educated at school? Did you go to God for counsel on how to take care of your marriage, make it deeper and richer? Did you go to God for counsel on how to deal with depression and loneliness? Did you seek God out for how to parent? 
how to teach and instruct and raise up the next generation. You see, do we really, when we think of wonderful counsel, do we go to Jesus first and say, let me take heed, let me hear, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. That's what this parable begins to introduce. That that's what we should be doing. We should be running to him. He is our wonderful counselor. Well, let's move on. Verses 24 through 26. He gives this farming illustration, this plowing and planting. Um, And it just, again, shows just the extreme practical nature of God's counsel. It works. And he says, verse 24, Does the farmer plow continually to plant seed? Does he continually turn and harrow the ground? I mean, I've known people that like to do that. In our day, I mean, I've done it with a tiller. I have grew up having a garden, you know, with, with the tiller. Uh, but I get to picture here somebody riding on a tractor, you know, just plowing the field. If you ever do that, and, and you plow and you plow and you look back and it... Finally, the, the dirt clogs start smoothing out and it just really looks good to just clean it all up and have nothing but smooth dirt. And he says, but do you, do you just stop with that? Do you just plow all day? You won't produce a crop. You won't get anywhere if all you do is plow. And that's his point. He says, that would be not wise counsel to be somebody who says, well, you just need to go out there and plow. Okay, well, that's not going to get you anywhere. It says, does the farmer plow continually to plant seed and then basically never plants the seed? That would be foolish. He goes on, does he level, verse 25, does he level its surface and sow deal and scatter cumin and plant weed in rows? Barley in its place and rye within its area. Well, he does if he wants to get a crop. And he's saying, you just don't do everything the same. And he gives four different crops here. If you've got deal, if you want to produce deal, you've got to sow that. If you want a, a crop of cumin, well, that's broadcast. That just gets scattered and it grows that way. Um, if you want to plant wheat, you've got to put it in rows. If you want a good re- uh, wheat crop. And if you want rye, he says that needs to be in a plot. And where did that knowledge come from? Verse 26. God instructs and teaches him to do it the right way. It has to be done properly. If it's not done the right way, you're not going to get the product. Um, sometimes we think, well... We just invented how to do this. No, 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 no. God instructs us on how to do it. We need wisdom on plowing, planting, growing to produce this crop. It it reminded me uh, early on in my marriage, trying to save money, I decided I was going to change my own brake pads, you know, change my own oil brake pads. I've kind of gotten beyond that. But anyway... I was there and changing my first set of brake pads, having the time of my life trying to, to put these fat new brake pads where my skinny worn out brake pads were. And I just couldn't get them to fit. And I go back and say, you sure you gave me the right stuff? Yeah, that's the right stuff. That fits your car. That goes in there. 
I can't make it happen. And, and I was trying to make it happen. I had a crowbar and stuff trying to put this brake pad on. And uh, finally a friend of mine came over and he said, are you struggling? I said, yeah, I don't know how to get this fat brake pad in this skinny hole. And he said, well, all you need is a little C-clamp. I said, a C-clamp? How's that going to help me? And he had one and put it on, pushed in the cylinder, and the pad goes right in. I said, wow, it's nice having knowledge. It's nice having wisdom. It just reminded me, I, I need to constantly be learning. And there's so much more. I said, where did you get that information? That was so easy. I can do this for the rest of my life. This is easy, you know. Uh, and his dad taught him. And so I tried to teach my sons. And, but where did that dad get the knowledge? And at some point, we, we have to realize, verse 26, God instructs and teaches. We sometimes think that our, our, our wisdom and our knowledge is experience gained. Trial by error, I just got it by experience. Other times we think, no, 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 I, 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 I YouTubed it. And it's book learned or it's video learned. And I want us to realize the knowledge and wisdom, the counsel we really get, it's not so much book learned or video learned. It's not so much experience gained. But it's relationship revealed. God, in our relationship with God, God reveals it. God instructs it. God properly counsels. He put it in to someone's mind, someone's heart. Plant the deal this way. Plant the cumin this way. Plant the rye this way. Okay, and you, you start and you try that. And it works. God properly instructs and teaches. It's our wonderful counselor. Some of you have been sitting here, you may be sitting here this morning, and you have the thought, Jesus really is wonderful. He's counselor. I, I need him into my life. I need to receive him as my Lord and Savior. When you have that thought, where does that thought come from? God is properly instructing you to receive Christ. That's not just my encouragement, but that's, that's the work of God's Spirit. God's wonderful counselor given to us. Um, we need great insight. We need that from the relationship we get with Christ. It reminds me of Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. Great verse for you to know. Colossians 2, verse 3. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I need to be in a relationship with Christ because he has wonderful counsel. Let me give you another passage. Look at um, uh, not only uh, that one, but uh, Psalm 139. Um, here's a strong passage. I'm going to take time to go through the whole thing on, on just how we're made, who we are. Psalm 139. Let me read the first six verses. Psalm 139, O Lord, you have searched me, you know me, and you know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down, and you are 
intimately acquainted with all of my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You've enclosed me behind and before, and I love this little phrase, and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I cannot attain it. And I don't have to. God who knows everything about me, my beginning, my end, all of my thoughts, all of my words, has put his hand upon me to direct me, to guide me. And when the psalmist stops and thinks about that, he says, that's just literally too wonderful that I would have such a one in my life to guide and direct. That kind of counsel, that kind of knowledge is too wonderful. Christ is Emmanuel, which means God with us, in us. He's that close. He's that personal to guide and direct us. His hand is laid upon us. Do we go to him for that counsel? Uh, You know, lots of times I feel like I, I need to know where this is taking me. I need to know the end of this project. I, I don't understand the beginning. Maybe I would understand the beginning if I, if I knew the end. And Jesus can always give us the end from the beginning because he's the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. He sees the whole process. And because he can see the whole process, he can see the first and the last then he can keep us on task. He can keep us aimed at the target. He knows where this is taking us, which if you think about this judgment passage in Isaiah, that makes sense. He, he, is, he is teaching them, look, I've been trying to teach and teach and teach. You don't see where this is taking you. It's taking you to judgment. It's taking you to abandonment. It's taking you to a place of despair and you scoff at me. I am offering you wonderful counsel. I know how this is going to end up. So we need to go to him. He's the only one who sees the end from the beginning. And he's the one who can provide great insight. And it just, again, reminds me how the, the wonder of his counsel is slow. He knows where we're headed and he's still very patient to call us back from sin. Say, repent, believe, trust me. I'll I'll get you on path and I'll get you going where you need to go. Well, keeping in the parable, Isaiah 28. After he, he gives them this just practical, fruitful counsel, let me help you out. Uh, like, like the parable, if you want to know how to plant, just ask. I can, I can help you with that. Verse 27 and 28 is more on the harvest end of things. After you've planted well, and the fruit be- or the stalk or whatever it is begins to grow, let me tell you how to harvest well. Because I, I know how to do that too. Verse 27, 28. For deal is not threshed with a threshing sledge, nor is a cartwheel driven over cumin. Deal is beaten out with a rod. Cumin with a club. I've never planted either one of these. I don't have a clue what the difference is between a a rod and a club. But obviously, some of you might know this. And grain, he says, for bread it's crushed. Indeed, it does not continue to 
but you don't do too much. It's like you break up the whole kernel, but you don't go hog wild. Because the wheel of his cart and his horses eventually damage it. So he doesn't thresh it longer. You, you begin to see what God is trying to illustrate is my counsel to you will be very deliberate. It will be to the point. It will get the job done right the first time. That's the kind of counsel God brings. It's always full of common sense. It just makes sense to do it God's way because God designed these things to happen this way. And so he can properly instruct it. Um, you know, you, you can use it, a number of illustrations. If, if, if you want a flower to bloom, you've got to treat it like a flower. If you want a, a person to really bloom, to shine, if we're made in the image of God and you want that image to be glorified, <coughs> exalted, to really shine, don't you think God knows how to do that? He says, I, I can take you to that end product where you're glorified. But you've got to pay attention. You've got to listen to the wonderful counsel that God is providing. One of the most popular passages of Scripture on counsel is Proverbs 3. Let me just pull out two verses real quick. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 7. You'll remember hearing this. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Just focus on that last part for a minute. We need to trust God. Okay, I get that. But don't miss the second part. I need to quit leaning on my own understanding. And that's us saying, I got this. You don't have to talk to me anymore. I got it. I understand what I'm going to do. God said, keep trusting. Don't, Don't be responding to wonderful counsel. I got this. Keep trusting. Keep listening. Verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. So many times we want to exalt ourselves, boast in what we've already figured out, and quit trusting in God. Um, God is wanting us, no, no, keep trusting, keep trusting, keep seeking wise counsel. Trust what God is doing. What's God doing? God says, I'm taking weak people. And I'm making them strong. You really got that? I'm taking poor people and I'm making them rich. I'm taking really plain and ordinary folks and I'm making them glorious. Keep trusting. Keep listening to the wonderful counsel of God. So easy for us to get off course. Verse 26 and 29 of Isaiah, two verses saying similar things. Verse 26, let me read it again. For as God instructs and teaches him properly. Verse 29, this also comes from the Lord of hosts who has made his counsel wonderful. His wisdom, great. What is it teaching us? God's got this. God is the wonderful Counselor, God is the one that teaches us. You want to know how to sow? God can do that. You want to know how to reap? God can do that. So quit 
turning away. Listen, quit scoffing. Quit acting like babies, thinking, well, I got this line, I got this precept, I got this down. No, you don't. God says, you're not listening. You're not staying with wonderful counsel and getting what I have eternally determined needs to happen. God's counsel is eternal in the sense he knows it all front to back, first and last. He's determined how things are going to turn out. We need to be seeking that up-close personal counsel. Let's just all agree. Everything, in everything in life, there's a right way and a wrong way. We're in this relativistic world. Doesn't want to believe that. But God says, no, there's a right way and a wrong way. And I know the right way. And when you quit seeking wonderful counsel, you end up doing things. Yeah, there's more than one way. You can do things differently. But that's the wrong way. And that's not going to lead you where you really want to be. Do we get that? God says, I'm trying to instruct and teach properly. These things are from the Lord. There's a right and wrong way. And our God is wonderful counselor to teach us the right way. There's a right and wrong way to educate what's Christ's way. Do we seek it? Do we seek an education from Christ that has nothing to do, perhaps, with whether our football team or basketball team or tennis team or whatever wins? Do we really seek God's way of education? There's a right and wrong way to have sexual relationships or non-sexual relationships. God says, I instruct on that also, and I instruct properly. There's a right and wrong way to do rest and to do work. And God instructs on that, and he instructs on that properly. There's a right and wrong way to eat and to drink. And God says, and I give such counsel so people know. There's a right and wrong way on how to parent. There's a right and wrong way on how to go through trials and temptations. There's a right and wrong way on how to respond when we're sick and ill. There's a right and wrong way to celebrate and party. And God's counsel is wonderful. Sin, listen. Pay attention. Let me help you with that. There's a right and wrong way on how to do community. And God's counsel is wonderful. James chapter 1, verse 5. Let me read it for you. If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God, who gives to all generously, without reproach, and it will be given him. God's not going to scoff at you. God's not going to reproach you. God's not going to belittle you for running to him for counsel. Are you in need of wisdom? You want to know the right way, not the wrong way? He says, if you lack wisdom... 
ask of me. Because I love giving wisdom generously. I love it. What I don't love is people who say, I got this. And they just do their own thing. What I love is people who tremble at my word and say, oh, I need it. I need that. And they seek me. And they seek my wisdom. Look over from James to 1 Peter. It's the next book over. And I'll I'll conclude with this. 1 Peter chapter 1. Beginning at verse 18. It says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Now stop and think about that for a minute. He says, if, if the conclusion is you get to the place where your faith and hope's in God, how did you get there? God's instructed you in this also. How did you get there? He says, verse 20, before the foundation of the world, Jesus was Chosen. He was foreloved by God the Father. It says, before the foundation of the world, God knew you were sinners. You were going to sin. You would be born in sin. You would commit sin. You would need a way of escape. Before the foundation of the world, God says, Christ, I want to send you to die, to, to redeem sinners, to take the perishable." And to bring them to a place of being imperishable and glory, glorified. And their hope, their faith will be in you. What wonderful counsel. God is saying, I knew your predicament. I I knew David's predicament. He would be born in sin. He would have a sin nature. He would commit active sin. He would be in a terrible predicament. He could not get out of himself. He would need something outside of himself to redeem him. He's going to need you, Christ. Christ, I'm going to send you at just the right time. I'm going to send you at this period in time where I'm moving from this national Jewish church to an international, every tribe, nation, and tongue ministry. I'm going to send you right there to die for sinners, both the Jew and the Gentile, that they might be saved. This was God's plan before the foundation of the world. That's not some quick band-aid fix to your predicament or mine. That's well thought out, determined, wonderful counsel. Now, I know that some of you, you don't have a, after you leave out of here today, you won't have another thought of me until next week. I get that. I can live with it. But God is telling me, David, I started thinking about you before the foundation of the world. And I came up with a plan to fix your predicament. How wonderful is that? Nobody thinks of me like that. 
except Christ. That's his wonderful counsel to provide for me what I could never get or provide for myself. Let's pray for that. Let's ask for that. Let's seek that and let's adore him for that. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Christ. We see him, our wonderful counselor. He is revealed to us time and time again. He puts thoughts and words in our lives so that we know how to properly do things, properly live. Father, forgive us, first of all, for the rejection of Christ and the rejection of his counsel. Too many times we have lent our lives to our own understanding and not sought the wisdom of Christ. Too many things we've done done on our own when Emmanuel, God, is with us. So we repent. We turn from that sin and we run now to Christ. We ask, oh Lord, give us wisdom. In this room, many of us have different needs, different things we need to be instructed in and on. Lord, you can do it all. We ask for that particular pertinent, commonsensical counsel that we need. May it come from you. Direct us, O God. Teach us through your word. Teach us by your spirit. Teach us through the body of Christ you've already taught. Lord, that we may know day after day wonderful, wonderful counsel. We adore you for who you are and all you do. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.